My guess is that we all have friends or co-workers or family members who go through life simply leaving everything up to God. It's all God's will. Any event, large or small, can be attributed to the Lord. They might say that it was God's will that a typhoon hit the Philippines. It was God's will that they made it through a traffic light before it turned red. From the tragic to the absurd, it's all part of God's plan. It all happens for a reason, they will say. This way of looking at the world might be somewhat annoying and seem relatively harmless. That is, until these same people begin to look for God's will in their lives. It may seem harmless until people look for angelic signs that they are supposed to do specific things and not do other things. It may seem harmless until this divine guesswork affects other people's lives and livelihoods. For four long years, when I lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, we had a mayor whose actions illustrate my point perfectly. Mayor Linda Thompson of Harrisburg is an evangelical Christian. She believes that it was God's will that she be elected mayor. At her inauguration, she likened herself to Esther from the Bible, anointed from on high to deliver the people of the city from its evil former ruler. And as mayor, she believed that every action she took was simply her following through on what God wanted her to do. No, I am not making this up. (laughs) Mayor Thompson honestly believed that she was running the city of Harrisburg for God as if God had a keen interest in small municipal government. (laughs) Rather than simply looking for ways to cooperate with other city employees to run Harrisburg well, the mayor looked to the Bible for guidance. She believed that prayer alone would get the city out of the financial mess that it was in. Like a prophet of old, Mayor Thompson believed that she and the city would be delivered by God like a modern-day Nineveh. That is, if it was God's will to have this happen. The slope from trying to discern God's will in your life to predestination is a very slippery one. Destiny appeals to a person who looks to God for daily, if not hourly, direction. For a person like this, everything happens for a preordained way. With destiny, it's easy to chalk everything up to, it's just the way it was supposed to be. It was this sort of predestination that led to theologies that said that some people were going to heaven and some people were going to hell and there was nothing that anybody could do about either. The wealthy used predestination to justify their excesses. Surely God wanted them to be wealthy, they said, otherwise they would be poor. Likewise, the poor should shoulder their own burdens, the wealthy insisted, for it was God who had made them poor, and it was God who kept them poor. It was predestination that our universalist ancestors rebelled against, insisting that God was a loving God and that all would be saved. The Universalists affirmed that humans had free will. They insisted that we were to use that free will for the good. Regardless of our choices, it was not God who was pulling the strings. In an article about the trend in evangelical Christianity of seeking God's will for one's life, 
Philip Carey, who's professor at Eastern University, writes, there's a major reason why the new evangelical practice of finding God's will is not in the Bible. It would defeat the purpose of stewardship, which is to learn in our own hearts how to carry out God's work in the world. For this, we need to acquire the virtues and wisdom we need to do God's work well so that God's work becomes ours and we become co-creators with God. He continues, We can't learn this if we don't make our own decisions, which include making our own mistakes and learning from them. Finding God's will is an attempt to short-circuit this learning process by taking our own decisions out of the loop. When Mayor Thompson did something because God told her to do it, she was, in fact, being unfaithful. God did not want Mayor Thompson to simply take dictation. God wanted her to think for herself and to decide between good and bad, helpful and unhelpful, right and wrong. She might actually have had an easier time of things if she had just started trusting her own moral compass and stopped waiting for updates from the Lord. But she was not able to see how divine guesswork kept her from leading. So for four years, she continued to make headlines around the country as the mayor who wanted to save the city through prayer. You can look her up on Google or YouTube at home this afternoon if you'd like to see her in action. Mayor Linda Thompson did not survive a re-election campaign and is now claiming that God wants her to be a Pennsylvania state senator instead. (laughs) We will all see how that works out for her. Granted, it is easy to pick on Mayor Thompson. She has a larger-than-life personality. She has a temper and an ego. Mayor Thompson is a politician, after all. But what about us? What about the places where we are called to lead? How do we make our decisions? In what ways do we fall into the trap of thinking, oh, this is just the way things are? Oh, I couldn't do anything to affect change there. In what ways do we fall into the trap of thinking there's nothing that I have the power to change? When and where do we chalk things up to destiny or fate? For me, the challenge is to remember two things simultaneously. One, the only human being that I can ever change is myself. And two, I must continually change and adapt to the events of my life. Or simply put, I can't change others, so I must change myself. There is no divine plan for your life or for mine. We are simply given a finite number of days on this earth to use as well as we can. We are given the free will to use our talents and our abilities with grace and forgiveness. But I want to reassure you this morning that God is not absent from our lives. Now, I am fully aware that for many of us, the idea of God is not particularly helpful, and that's just fine. Whether we have a sense of God in our lives or not matters little if we all understand God metaphorically. 
When we talk about God, we are not talking, any of us, about a supernatural force that favors some humans over others, though I am quite sure it is this kind of God that Mayor Thompson had in mind. We Unitarian Universalists are much more interested in the creative interchange that some of us call God. We are interested in the ways that the universe is connected through science and through story. To us, God is love. To us, God is a process, a relationship, an interconnectedness. Now that's what resonates with us. None of us is independent or alone. All of us are interdependent, in need of others, and with others in need of us. Each of us must decide what we will do with our lives, for to live is to risk relationship. For a moment, let's think back to that parable I didn't read. Here's a modern-day version of it, this one adjusted for inflation. The parable of the talents. One day, a wealthy woman decided she was going to go on a trip. She called her employees together and delegated responsibilities for her investments. To one, she gave $5,000, to another, $2,000, and to the third, $1,000. Then she left. Right off, the first employee went to work and doubled his employer's investment. The second employee did the same. But the man with the single thousand dollars dug a hole and carefully buried the money. After a few weeks, the woman came back and settled up with her employees. The one given five thousand dollars showed her how he had doubled her investment. The woman commended him, saying, Good work, you did your job well. From now on, you will be my business partner. The employee with the $2,000 showed her how she had doubled her employee's investment. Her employer commended her, saying, Good work, you did your job well. From now on, you too will be my business partner. The employee given $1,000 said, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The employer was furious. That's a terrible way to live, she said. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew that I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been put the money in the bank where I would have at least gotten a little bit of interest. And she fired that employee on the spot. In this life, it is never enough to hide away the gifts that we have been given It is never enough to allow our fears or doubts to keep us from doubling our abilities. It is precisely the employee in the story who is too frightened to try who gets fired. Rather than use his abilities, this man gives up the responsibility of working for his employer. He simply forgets that she gave him the money in the first place to make something out of it. Without his labor, 
the money is useless. Without effort, his talents are wasted. What great sum have you been given? Have you been given $5,000? Have you been given $2,000? Maybe $1,000? How do you understand what you are to do with the talents that you have been given? How do you understand your role in increasing their value? It is not the amount that is important. It is what we do with it that matters. Had the employee who received $5,000 buried it and returned it intact to his employer, she would have been just as mad. She would have had just as much reason to fire him, possibly more, for the story tells us that the woman distributed her money to her employees based on their ability. In other words, she thought the person she gave $5,000 to had the greatest potential to double it for her. And he did. My guess is that we, too, would be worthy of a large sum of money, that we, too, would have the ability to double it, that we have the ability to do something bold with our lives. I invite you to think about what direction you want your life to go in. If you are stuck, what will get you unstuck? If you are worn out, What will renew you again? If you are frightened, what will give you courage? If you are overwhelmed, what will bring you peace? If you are bored, what will ignite your passion? And if you are content, how might you pass that contentment on to others? God may not have a divine plan for your life, But God wants you to be a co-creator with life itself. Life needs people who live awake to its beauty and its horror. Life needs you to be alive. So be it. Amen.